Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Gorilla Economist, coming to you live on this edition of the Geostrategic Hour with Matthew Errett. And we have our main man, Matthew Errett, is with us, as well as the producer extraordinaire, CJ, working the airwaves. He's rocking it, making sure that all the flux capacitors are working effectively for this broadcast. And without further ado, and folks, again, go to the Substack. Go check out Matthew's website, CanadianPatriot.com as well as the Red Tide Rising organization. Go check that out. Also his Substack. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Get your notebooks ready. Get your brains ready. We're about to take the trip on this amazing journey called the geostrategic, geoeconomic, geopolitical. You're going to get it from all angles. Without further ado, Matthew Errett. What's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, welcome. <laughs> Thank you for welcoming back on. Uh, it, it's the Rising Tide Foundation, not the Red Tide Rising. Oh, geez. I'm sorry. Rising Tide. I, I, don't wanna, I already have enough people accusing me of being a Russian agent. That's a Russian agent, a Chinese <laughs> uh, sympathizer. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Doing man. great. Doing really great. Um, as opposed for, you know, the, compared to how the world's going right now, I'm personally doing okay. But the world is definitely in a very precarious place. Um, I saw somebody just say that they have their notebook ready for this show. <laughs> I hope this will be as excellent as you hope it will be. But I think that definitely today, like we talked about a little bit before the show, uh, we could focus a little bit more than usual on uh, the situation in Ukraine, in yeah. Russia's soft underbelly. Uh, maybe we can go a little bit through some history, some geopolitics, and not limit ourselves to that, but just see. Yeah. Also, it goes. did you did you get a chance to see? I, I didn't get a chance to do it today, but did you hear Putin's speech today? I completely missed the president of the free world talking. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've seen uh, some excerpts which were impressive, um, but I haven't read the entire transcript yet. Um, yeah, this is that. uber uber important, of course. Massive. Um, I heard he drew some red lines. Some serious. Do not cross. You know. In other words, f around and find out. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it, yeah. He he made it clear that there that Russia will provide a completely asymmetric response. So it's not going to be a tit for tat with a you know an equilibrium approach as we saw with the Cold no. War. It'll it will be an asymmetric approach, uh, meaning you know, and and he gave like a little symbolic example where you know the 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 Czech Republic, um, whores for the U.S. and NATO expelled something like eighteen Russian diplomats last yeah. week. No, not right. even last week, like four days ago. Over just trumped up stuff that, you know, had no basis in reality, um, <clears throat> where they basically said, you know, uh, because of a, an explosion that happened, uh, a nefarious, weird explosion in 2014, they said, uh, we're going to punish the Russians by expelling their diplomats. Um, and Russia responded by, by just expelling 20 uh, uh, Czech Republic di diplomats. Uh, and not not the typical 18, but they also announced, uh, you know, and, and re-emphasized the uh, the fact that any country which is part of NATO, which is ultimately part of the collective security agreement now, you know, has targets on their backs because if they are part of a U.S. led military industrial complex first first uh, strike on Russia, um, they're going to get, you know, attacked. And, and Putin did announce that there will be uh some new developments over high-tech nuclear and laser weapons. Oh, we already know about the God. Uh, yeah. I mean, we already know about the the Kinzhal, the Kinzhal, the caliber, uh, yeah, the, uh, the the new advanced torpedo that the the hypercavitating torpedo that does like four hundred knots underwater with extreme maneuvering. The yeah. nuclear-powered cruise missile that can literally loiter for two like a week and a half straight in the air, just loitering. Oh yeah, it, it's it's next gen, man. Oh, absolutely. And the Iskander uh, missiles in Kaliningrad are being upgraded as well with the, these advanced like next gen technologies and something like 80, 88% of uh, the nuclear forces in Russia are going to be uh, fully modernized 
Because, I mean, these things kind of got went de- derelict when the Soviet yeah, Union Yeah, but you know the down. only thing, Matthew, they don't have yeah. aircraft that can shoot themselves like we do. Like the F-35 <laughs> that is, is quite able the skill, to shoot yeah. itself. It's, it's quite the skill. <laughs> and our hypersonic missiles don't launch. And our aircraft carrier, the newest one, can't uh, land or launch any airplanes. But at least they're super expensive. Yeah, at least. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I think, yeah, compared to like what the U.S. has announced provocatively over the last few years, that it's going to be, I think first it was a, a $500 billion upgrade of its nuclear forces. And now it's something like 1.5 quadrillion, uh, not quadrillion, sorry, trillion dollars but over I 30 thought, years. I, I thought Russia was a gas station posing as a country that has an, uh, an, an economy slightly lower than New York. I thought, yeah, re, a, a but now they're rebuilding a new as, space uh, station. Exactly. Yeah. Remind. Yeah. My God. Right. Yeah. yeah the The ISS is going to be coming down pretty soon, and uh, Russia and uh, yeah, they, they're going to leave there. They'll have a new uh, a new space station built out for Russians. Yeah. Don't worry. Well, we're going to catch a ride with Elon Musk. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No. It's a t- yeah. Elon Musk is completely Trojan horse. Uh, <laughs> set up. Yeah. It, it's it's a I mean a really great way to just channel people's hopes and aspirations into something legitimately cool, which is space exploration. It, it's undeniably cool and important. But by doing it from the standpoint of no nation states and have this like, uh, you know, Bezos, uh, Bill Gates modeled synthetic personality of a Musk say that we're going to do this with venture capital um, on the cheap. And uh, no, it's going to just completely blow up in your face and, and demoralize a lot of people and, don't, and don't no nation states, right? It's, it's literally blowing up when it lands. It literally does. Yeah. yeah like how many times we've seen uh, the SpaceX um starship explode or the or the falcon 9 explode oh my yeah no it's a, it's a joke but no russia is actually demonstrating the power along with china because they have a, a joint uh policy of building a russian chinese um lunar station very yeah. soon i just lost my connection okay he'll he'll be back on in uh just a minute his internet must have dropped out briefly yeah b yeah but, i mean that's the whole thing i mean the the the, the putin line that's caused every time that they're crossing a line you know five years ago six years ago they crossed the line and what do they do well putin he pulled back the kimono and out comes the kinzel out comes the upgraded mig-31s out comes the su-57s out comes the uh s-400s s-500s they're playing another game and the russians have real statesmen that love their country oh he's back yeah, man, I was, no, I was just uh, filling in some airtime while you were gone. Go ahead, you were saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you're you're basically saying that Putin is a legit statesman, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. What, what the the, the Russians being... have. Re- yeah, fix your. I think your audio is out. You might want to go to your audio uh, options and go back to your mic. It probably kicked off the mic. Mm. On the little uh, cam mic button, it should allow you to change your uh, mic input. Yeah. Speaking speaking of statesmen, I love what the Chinese did to John Kerry when he showed up. They made him wait for a bus, Mister Green New Deal. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Oh, you love you love uh, green energy, huh? How about you wait at a bus stop?" And he, they put him in the back of a bus. <laughs> this was it was <laughs> almost as good as. <laughs> oh, go ahead, Matt. Speak. It, is this a little bit better? Yeah, uh, a bit, or do it, can it be a lot better? Because I'm not sure. See, how does it sound? It, it sounds it sounds fine. Your other mic that's in front of you is is a little bit uh, better, but it's still clear regardless. Is this one better? I got like eight. There you go. That's the one. That's one. Okay, I gotta commit this to memory. All right. Okay. All right. All right go ahead, Matt. You're you're, yeah, you're sorry about before that. I start cracking more jokes. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No. So so basically, the Ukraine right now is is obviously uh, very very important. I mean, a lot of people have completely underestimated the the role of Eastern Europe. It's not something that a lot of people really think that much about Eastern Europe, but it has been the center of of a lot of geopolitical uh, shifts over the past you know 150 years, starting with the Crimean War which was a big, big uh, wake-up call for Russia back in 1856. It was a, a two-year war, completely manipulated mm-hmm. by the British to destroy uh, Russia, which had a lot of American system influences of the 19th century. Um, for those who don't know, I mean, this was an entrapment run by the French and British, um, you know, uh, geopoliticians back in the day to pull Russia into an unwinnable war um, that also involved Turkey. Um, as the Ottoman Empire was collapsing, but Turkey, Britain, and France all teamed up together and uh, completely destroyed Russia. They they barely came out of it alive. And uh, and when the new Tsar came in, Tsar Nic- uh, Alexander II, in 1856, he vowed to never let this happen again. Um, 
and brought in a whole bunch of major reformers um, that I've written about a lot in the uh, on the Canadian Patriot Review uh, that ensured that Russia was going to do what Lincoln was doing. You know, the the uh, abolishment of serfdom happened in, under Alexander II. A lot of American allies uh, around Lincoln were brought into Russia. Cassius Clay was a, a big, not the boxer, but uh, the ambassador. Uh, brought in Henry C. Carey's writings, protective tariff uh, programs, state and, directed and most credit. people don't even realize this, how many um, black Americans left the United States and went over to live in Russia during that time, uh, many of whom were graduates of, of agricultural engineering uh, programs here in the States. Hmm. They couldn't find a job because of their skin color, and uh, they went over there. They've migrated. They've had families. Until this day, you have black Russians there that have been there for, for decades, for, for hundreds of years at this point. Yeah, absolutely interesting. Yeah. Um, and even like, yeah, like Pushkin, the national hero of Russia, uh, you know, in terms of like the cultural hero, uh, was himself the the grandson of an African um, soldier. You know, he's a, he's a black guy. And, and that's the national poet of Russia. So, um, yeah, definitely there was a, a huge sympathy um, for the, the plight of African-American races throughout the Civil War. And, you know, um, Lincoln and Tsar Alexander II were, were very close collaborators. And even after Lincoln died uh, by British-run assassination operation from Montreal, um, which, again, I've, I've written about on, on the website. People can, can find that material there. Uh, Tsar Alexander II continued to apply Lincoln's policies for the development of the Trans-Siberian Railway. Uh, that was his son who really put that into gear, Alexander III. Both Alexander II and III, by the way, were also both assassinated by anarchist operations run by British intelligence, um, along with many other leaders, including William McKinley of the United States, uh, Garfield, Sadi uh, Carnot, the president of France in 1895, was also assassinated by these operations. And this led all the way up um, to World War I, which was, again, Eastern Europe. This one was, was you know, uh, Arch, you know, a, a Duke Ferdinand, a prince um, who was shot by the Black Hand, which was a, a, another anarchist group run by British intelligence. There's there's enough literature on this, uh, which initiated a series of military commitments between Austria, I mean, Serbia and uh, the Austro-Hungarian Empire on the one hand. And there was a, an agreement that if the if Serbia was to ever get stuck in a in a conflict, that uh, the Germans would come in and back up Serbia. Meanwhile, Russia had an agreement as well um, to back up. Oh, I'm mixing it up. Anyway, <laughs> Russia had an agreement to back up Serbia, and uh, and uh, there was a, another another agreement. Anyway, Brit the Britain <laughs> the British uh, intelligence operatives were able to instigate this completely unnecessary war, such that Germany and Russia, who had been allies for many years and represented a serious threat to the British and the the existence of their world empire, uh, they ended up slaughtering each other, killing each other unnecessarily for another four years of World War One. And then we, we know it again, what, what was done with Poland, right, as being sort of the, the trigger point um, for World War II. So again, now Ukraine, once again, the, that whole zone is coming back into play once more. Um, I have a little image that I want to showcase to get across the two um, futures. On the one hand, the NATO expansion, U.S. military encirclement uh, program underway, as well as the new Silk Road. So let me just show a, a couple of images here. <clears throat> I'm just going to share screen, share screen, application window, there we are, share. So this is the thing that uh, everyone should have clearly in their mind. This is actually an older map uh, demonstrating the full spectrum dominance um, program that NATO and the U.S. military is. You is, clearly see the Russian aggression on that map. Yeah, this is where you get those famous memes of look how, uh, of course, Russia and China want war. Look how how closely they planted their countries to our military bases. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah and, and it's just very, very clear that you have ballistic missile shields being set up, which, as Lavrov pointed out a couple of weeks ago in an interview with One News, that uh, any one of these ballistic missile shields, which are nominally defensive to protect Europe from Russia. You can quickly convert them. You can quickly, quickly convert them, yeah, into something offensive. And, um, you know, Lavrov also said people are, are acting, we, they used to act like these these missile shields were not really about Russia, but were all about Iran, but nobody believes that anymore. And it's clear that it's really about yeah, Russia. It's pretty and, interesting. If you remember, Matt, uh, this yeah. was going back uh, 20 years, almost 20 years, I mean, I think 15 years or so, mm -hmm. where 
the Russians actually no, it was over twenty years ago. The Russians are like, why are you putting missile base, missile defense shields, uh, mm-hmm. right next to our borders? Oh, it's to defend against Iran. Oh, okay. Then if you're going to defend against Iran, well, you know, we have we share a border with Iran, you know, close enough. We, why don't you put those missiles in our border? Oh yeah. no, no. Oh, so it's not about Iran, is it? That was that was the test. That was the that test. Was the that was test. brilliant, and they yeah. failed. Yeah, and this is what I'm saying is is the run they're, they're statesmen versus idiots, mm-hmm. statesmen mm-hmm. versus craven con artists. That's, mm-hmm. that's the difference that we're facing here. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just this week alone, you also have uh, not this week, last couple of months even. Um, <clears throat> you've had big military reforms going on in Norway. Um, regarding allowing the U.S. to set up more military bases, have more forward stationing of ballistic missile shields. And, you know, Norway is not even a... I mean, so the 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 Lieutenant Colonel uh, Tormund Heyer even said that, um, quote, Russia does not do this. That is Russia's stationing of their their bases and their their military preparations on Norway's perimeter. As you can see, Norway and Russia are, are, are touching. He said they're not doing this because they're afraid of Norway. Russia fears that Norway will be used as a springboard for American operations into Russia's most important foreign policy instrument, its nuclear forces, located only 40 to 120 kilometers from the Norwegian border. However, this is not only due to the fact that Norway is inviting more Americans in, it is also due to the fact that China and Russia have started cooperating more closely in the military arenas as well, and that worries the USA. And this is a very high-level a military official in Norway who's speaking out against this. And as you can see, he's he's getting across that it's not a there's no Russian anti-Russian policy. There's an anti-Russian China policy because together okay. Russia and China represent one common unit that's the the foundation for the greater Eurasian partnership, the multipolar alliance, um, however you want to refer to it. But both of these countries have integrated on so many levels. He referred to the military integration that's underway. We've already spoken about the scientific space cooperation. That's underway. China will be also developing a space um, a station very soon, as will Russia. Um, they're both working on integrating those together with a broader program for, and again, it's a peaceful application of space tech that then feeds back into every other part of your civilian economy. And that is the way that the West used to do things. So they're very advanced on that, but also on the economic level on Earth. Uh, you know, we've spoken, I think, in every single show, uh, we try to, I try to bring this in. Russia, China together have united on the Eurasian Economic Union, which is a Russian-led initiative that's highly integrated into the the Belt and Road Initiative. Um, this involves, uh, you know, Belarus, uh, uh, Armenia, Kyrgyzstan, Azerbaijan. I'm missing one, but the fact that this is integrated completely into the Belt and Road is key as an East-West corridor. It also brings in the question of Ukraine in a, in, in a way that I'm going to want to get to very soon with a graph. But China's being encircled by uh, the U.S. military as well for obvious reasons uh, all around the Pacific. So now you have, I mean, here, let me just actually show one other thing. Um, and what I like about this image, too, is it also showcases the Western instigated hotspots uh, from all of the countries that were... Uh, targets of regime change operations all the way from Libya to Syria, which is now again springing up once again. Uh, Iraq was turned upside down. We have Iran, which has its targets set. Afghanistan. Yeah, I mean, Biden has, has announced getting U- U.S. troops out of Afghanistan. Sure. Yeah, right. They're going to get privatizing out the-, the war. You got more defense exactly. going in. Blackwater, yeah. um, Be- Bechtel, G4S. There's a whole bunch of private contractors that are going to be profiteering off the opium trade that's going to be coming out of Afghanistan. Yeah, they're not going to give up the opium trade. That's 90% of the world's heroin. And yeah, there's like maybe 2,500 troops, U.S. official troops that are going to be taken out. Sure. But as you just said, the 18,000 contractors, mercenaries, they're they're going to be expanding those operations. So this is in no way disappearing. Um, <clears throat> and then obviously we have what is springing back into, into play right now with Ukraine. Um, oh, I yeah. So. This is what Russia is looking at. I think most of your viewers are very aware of these types of images of the 1990 versus here 30 years later graph of uh, the expansion of NATO in uh, red, which I mean, grew beyond 15 countries are already have been brought into NATO, which had ceased to its purpose had had disappeared with the dissolution of the, the Soviet Union. And there was a promise. I mean, people like Jack Matlock, the former U.S. ambassador to Russia, was privy to these discussions between uh, Gorbachev and his Western counterparts with Bush, who all promised that they would not 
take one inch of increased territory uh, of, of the former Soviet space into NATO under the condition that the Soviet Union peacefully dismantled itself. Well, you um, know, the, the funny thing also, when you're looking at the NATO expansion and all the yeah. um, the asymmetric coups that have been going on all throughout Eastern Europe, the color revolutions, um, the chicanery and insanity of what's been happening in regime change in the Middle East, yeah. then hot on the heels, Matt, we could just touch base on this real quick, the Lukashenko, of Belarus, there was an assassination attempt, as as per sa the, uh, the Saker and some of his sources were reporting on this, and I was also checking on it. Sure as shit, man, there was a, an assassination attempt by mm. Exceptional Stan on uh, Lukashenko, the president of Belarus. Incredible. Yes. Actually, I didn't hear about that. Is that is oh, that a yeah. brand new uh, revelation? That is, is that a brand new. That's that's within twenty four mm. hours. That's uh, that's actually that news is less than twenty four hours old. Not surprising. And I'm I'm sure that you know future historians are going to. Oh, uh, it was learn also about... confirmed by the FSB. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure that future historians are going to discover a lot of assassination attempts that we weren't even aware of up until this point on people like Putin. On, uh, I mean, well, let's forget about Lukashenko. Let's, let's concentrate has... on Novichok. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about Nalvani <laughs> and Scribble. Yeah, yeah <laughs> not how British intelligence has its hands all over Novichok, right? Um, but um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I, it's not a surprise. They have no talent in making anything else, Matt. They have no intellect, no ingenuity, no engineering prowess, no scientific um, uh, um, chutzpah or know-how to make anything less than a Cold War relic called Novichok. Yeah, right. No, it's a joke, and and the, but this is why it's like such a they're they're licking their lips for for Belarus. You know, it, it's not part of NATO yet. It's one of the last holdouts. It's a key nation in the Eurasian Economic Union, yep. and um, <clears throat> this also gets at obviously too um, the other side, the other world that the, these geopoliticians are looking at and are afraid of, are losing sleep over because you could see very clearly how the New Silk Road. One of the key, I mean, the key artery from uh, China all the way through to uh, Duisburg and Rod Rotterdam, the biggest um, ports in Europe, um, moves straight through over the land corridor um, via Ukraine uh, directly. We see it pass through a portion of Belarus, through Hungary. Uh, it, it's, it's a vital, vital component. Now, another thing that people forget is that Ukraine has... Um, a memorandum of understanding to work with the BRI that was signed in 2017. And this is super important. Um, I, something like 90% uh, of China's corn comes out of Ukraine. It's a big economic hub for, uh, for China. Now, um, what was this called? It was the, uh, the, um, uh, an integration agreement between Ukraine and the, and the Belt and Road Initiative. One of the things people forget about is that Ukraine, if, if you were looking at what was going on in 2013 with the, the Western coup d'etat that was run there that ousted Yanukovych, what was Yanukovych actually doing? He was reneging on a plan to integrate Ukraine into the, Euro into the European Union and ultimately into NATO, which has always been part of the agenda. Uh, Ukraine is still not a part of NATO, thank God. So, you know, if there is a war between, let's say, Ukraine and Russia, unlike the case with World War One, uh, you can't instigate, you can't use that as an excuse to get an entire world war going by by activating, um, you know, the collective security agreement in NATO. However, um, that was the agenda by 2013. And Yanukovych said at a certain point, well, NATO, uh, Europe looks like a basket case. And Russia is offering us a lot of economic incentives to work with the Eurasian Economic Union. So he canceled the, the treaty to integrate ever more with the, the free trade zone and the IMF uh, policies and said, OK, instead, look, we're going to do business with Russia and also with Europe at the same time. We don't want to have to pick sides. Um, and he basically made the point that every time I've met with these IMF uh, technocrats, they're just basically telling me to privatize my energy sector uh increase uh you know uh charges on on energy usage which is going to rate my my population who's already suffering they're massively poor it's one of the poorest countries in Europe at this point if yeah. not the poorest per capita um and they're trying to put up all of these binding agreements on us that will prevent us from ever having any business with Russia which is a big trading partner and he basically said well, I can't do that and the second he did that, they took a, a planned operation to have these massive destabilizing street protests that was supposed to happen in 2015. And they sent it, you know, one year in advance. And they had to rock it off early 
run by the U.S. Embassy and overthrew him in a very, very insidious operation that used a lot of neo-Nazis. And I'm going to say something about that. But the important Svoboda. thing, Svoboda, right sector, Pravi sector. But at least uh, Victoria Newland was there to give uh, cookies to the rioters on, on the Maidan. And that's the joke, right? You see these images of Victoria Newland passing out from the U.S. State Department. Yeah, these donuts and stuff, but also bragging that there's going to be uh, that the U.S. has invested five billion dollars in uh, Ukrainian uh, reforms. What'd you say? She, Victoria F the EU Newland. F the yeah, I mean yeah. that was got caught on the, We spent five billion dollars on this operation. F she, the EU. Who cares? She what they said say? that in a, in a press conference and she and with Jeffrey that. Jeffrey Pyatt, uh, the U.S. ambassador. Yeah, they on had the this, other line. On the other line, directly talking about how they were going to install their uh, their little puppet government. Uh, under give it a uh, yats. Like, said, yeah, give, give it a yats. yats. Our, our boy Yats knows what to do a little bit better. Let's let's put him in power. And yeah, it was a complete joke where it became clear that the U.S. was orchestrating everything um, from the top and from the U.S. embassy and the Russian, you know, Russian military were paying close attention. Russian intelligence were paying close attention to the the uh, the U.S. embassy in Ukraine, and it became very clear that that was the center of operations. It had already received you know billions over the course of the 1990s by National Endowment for Democracy funds, the Renaissance Foundation of George Soros, as well as um, the Open Society Foundations into massive economic reforms of Ukraine. This is what put in as well, you know, the um, the government of of um, uh, what's the name Yushchenko, Yushchenko in uh, the first Orange Revolution in 2004 the first color revolution of, of several or two um, in opposition to uh, uh, the, well, anyway, so the, this was a complete fabrication. Um, and, um, and as you said, there were massive Nazis also utilized to do a lot of the dirty work because most of the Ukrainian population didn't really have the energy and concern to really risk their lives and risk a war with Russia in order to impose, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a complete coup d'etat. So this makes this much more of a joke. And for anybody who doesn't know, by the way, um, this is the Azov Battalion on the left. The, these are the this, this is the the actual mercenary forces that are not even mercenary forces. The Atlantic Council just just wrote an article. I forget which member of the Atlantic Council, which is a NATO think tank, basically saying that. Um, it's a slander to say that the Azov Battalion, which is such a, an important part of Ukrainian Kiev uh, special forces in the battle against Donbass and Donetsk, um, to call them a mercenary force is a, is a slander. It's, it, it should stop immediately because they're officially part of the Ukrainian military. Right. <laughs> and it's and like, that the, doesn't stop the, the fact that they're is, Nazi. Yeah. This, is, this is important. Like, uh, who, who visited last week, Matt? Who visited the Ukrainian military, who was wearing the the Azov Brigade's death's head patch, the Nazi death's head patch. Who was that? Very important U.S. figure. Somebody who's cut her teeth oh. in Eastern European affairs on the you Russian border. You wouldn't be talking about Newland, would you? No, no, no. No. Brittany, Colonel Brittany Stewart. No way. I, I, I put up a picture of the butch. Uh, last week, and I was talking about this. Here's an Air Force colonel, mm. basically an affirmative action sexual discrimination hire, a no talent hack, somebody who was sent there. And what does she do? And, and if anybody knows anything about the military in the United States, you cannot wear the patch of a foreign country. You cannot do that mm. unless you got authorization from the highest levels. Now, this is key. Because most Americans don't realize how things play in an international level and how people get offended on an international level. She wore the, the death's head of the Azov Brigade, and she saluted at the gravesite of a fallen Azov soldier, right? Mm -hmm. The Russians were like, unbelievable. They were, they, were, they, they were like, are you kidding me? She's actually wearing this patch in wow. multiple photo opportunities. Wow. Wow. And, and, and uh, CJ, if you could just type in uh, Colonel Brittany Stewart. Uh, and then type in Ukraine, and you can pull up some of the images, uh, and, and you can see it for yourself. Now, this is critical here. The last time, Matt, that a U.S. soldier was allowed to wear a patch of a foreign army was Colonel Claire Chenault, okay, of the famous Flying Tigers, when he was working for the Kumatang during World War II. 
Mm. And he wore that, and he and he had to get authorization all the way from FDR. Mm. And he, you know, what was the thing? Well, he told FDR, if, if I wear this patch and my men wear this patch, there she is, and um, and we wear this patch, well, you know, we're uh, we're showing strength to the Japanese. Mm. You know, we're showing strength and solidarity. What happened a month after Chenault put on that path, that that patch, Pearl Harbor? Okay, the Pacific Fleet went to the bottom of Pearl Harbor. That's now, this idiot of a dyke shows up 40 miles from the Russian border wearing a Ukrainian Nazi death's head patch emblazoned on her uniform. Yeah. Saluting at a gravesite of, of an Azov mercenary, an Azov yeah. soldier, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And they're wondering, they're thinking this is showing strength. They are doing nothing but fanning the flames of war and insult. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Good man. Well, this shouldn't be come as too much of a surprise. And I mean, the the like what you have right there on on the right is an image of uh, Stefan Bandera's portrait being carried in a in a torch lit uh, parade. Thousands of these things have happened over the past seven years. These torch parades, like we had back in World War II, when uh, Bandera and these Ukrainian Nazis were working with uh, the Axis. Um, as part of a battle with Russia and also a massive extermination of the impure races. Uh, something like 80,000 uh, Poles were uh, were massacred during this time who lived in Ukraine because they were, you know, th- these were people who who have this weird uh, Aryan mythology where they actually want the the world to be, uh, you know, subdued as the untermensch, the under the under races by the greater uh, Ubermensch. And even the uh, this guy, this this deputy uh, parliamentarian, you can look at some of these deputies. They don't have a lot of seats, but they have a lot of power and a lot of influence. And they've had since 2014 when these their Nazi operations were used to deploy uh, to, to basically turn this color revolution um, from from being peaceful protesters, which is what it was the beginning in 2013 in November to a violent uh, operation. Um, but this one guy. Andrei Bilecki, who is a, a very big player, he basically said Ukraine's mission is to lead the the white races of the world in a final crusade against the Semite-led Untermenschen. Um, again, this is a high-level parliamentarian. I love this. Um, I mean, you can't yeah. write a better joke than this. A bunch of Nazi, yeah. neo-Nazi soldiers led by a Jewish comedian president. You can't oh, write- no. it, it's It's... <laughs> Well, it's 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 like it's like watching Hitler praising the blue-eyed, blonde-haired Aryan race, and this guy is has like a Jewish grandmother and is like you know obviously a bit of a mongrel. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Like not exactly the embodiment of pure the pure race. Yeah. Um, but you know, and and if you look at the history, I mean, after World War II, when FDR died, and all of his allies were were purged from, and the OSS was was purged of any patriotic influences, and the CIA was was created. There was a complete takeover of U.S. foreign policy uh, by these Wall Street City of London uh, operatives who had funded Hitler to begin with. And people like, um, you know, uh, Stefan Bandera, who was a major, major player. And people say, oh, he wasn't a Nazi because the Nazis put him in prison. It's like, no, he, they, the Nazis put him in prison not because he wasn't a fascist or, or something. It's because he just wanted, uh, a, you know, a nationalist, a nationalist Ukraine which would still be super fascist under him. Um, but, uh, and he did, like they purged 200,000 Jews, 80,000 Poles were purged under this guy's lead. People like Michael Lebed, who would also run uh, Ukrainian intelligence, was incorporated. These guys were brought in to the CIA and to MI6 and to Western intelligence circles. Um, and a great example of that was Rick Reinhard Gellin himself, right? That Hitler's lead intelligence operator um, was brought into Washington, D.C. in September 1945, along with thousands of other Nazi intelligence officers, and then was installed by the CIA, by Alan Dulles, yep. um, by 1945, actually before the CIA was even created, Alan Dulles was still somehow running the show from behind the scenes, and installed him in just a, a little town right outside of Munich, and uh, had him run Western German intelligence for the... Re- decades afterwards and this is the gellin networks so the, the, these were the same nazi networks that we supposedly did battle with in world war ii with the russians our allies and friends who died 
in greater numbers than we could even imagine. 25 million Russians gave their lives to stop this Wall Street city of London fascist machine. Now, today, they're being celebrated. You know, the, you have the, um, uh, what, what is it? The uh, Ukrainian Institute for National Memory. It's this weird Orwellian organization that had an exhibit two years ago celebrating the Organization for Ukrainian national uh, Nationalism. That was what Bandera and Lebed ran. Lebed, by the way, died in the USA in 1987. I mean, he lived a, a peaceful life and, and was always a part of U.S. operations, CIA operations uh, throughout the Cold War. But they had an exhibit celebrating the proclamation of cooperation with the Axis in 1941. That was like just it just happened 2018. They had book burnings, you know, so they've brought back whole not burnings, but book bannings. Um, of the book like Stalingrad. If you're in Ukraine, you try to buy the book Stalingrad by the, the Nobel Prize winning author um, who brings up the uh, the Nazi collaborators in Ukraine on like one page of the 600 page book. You can't buy it. It's been banned. Um, that's just one of many books on the on the banned list. So they've brought back, um, you know, fascist, essentially book burnings without the fire and also purifying the language. You know, you've got Belarus, you got Hungarian, you got Russian, you got um greek that are that are spoken in ukraine it's a very mixed country and this kiev government that has all of these nazi influences immediately had passed legislation in many districts that tried to do it on a on a mass scale you know nationally in 2014 to basically ban all other languages languages from being spoken in pub in in any public service in schools in business in administrative buildings and that was largely why the people in Crimea who were like, you know, 95% uh, speaking Russian, they all identified with being Russian. They were mostly Russian for most of their history. Um, they all had a, a, a vote to get out and to rejoin Russia, which currently is being used um, to spark up this, this conflict again. So now you have Biden going in saying, you know, we have to... Uh, Put more sanctions on Russia on top of the military uh, confrontation policy. But you, you you now have obviously on the one hand Biden saying I want to meet with Putin. Yeah, right. Because you now you're going. Yeah. I want to meet with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no freaking no clue. Because then, am I? yeah, he, he, uh, there might be a bit of a, a resistance within some people within the U.S. establishment who put that out there. I don't even know where that came from, but obviously it's not true because he immediately started blaming Russia for, for and, and said, we're going to sanction Russia even more. We're going to ban we're U.S. We're going to ban them for uh, climate change. Yeah, and we're going to ban U.S. companies from buying Russian bonds by 2014, uh, by, sorry, not by 20, by July 2020, uh, 2021, um, which they're hoping will cause a massive capital flight from Russia. I mean, it's, it's a pretty big attack to, to, to do that. It's going to be capital flight, all right, but it's not going to be from Russia. It's going to be well, to Russia. The whole thing, it's just, it's so desperate. And what they're saying that Russia did is... They're saying, well, one, they they stole Crimea, uh, oh, which is a, an affront on how on dare they? They, they, uh, they had an election. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that election. Ninety-seven percent um, voted to go to Russia. Well, he stole it. Yeah, right. Uh, so they're they're doing that. They're saying they've reemphasized that Crimea is a part of Ukraine. Uh, that Russia somehow intervened on the U.S. elections of 2020, which were supposedly this is the irony, right? They're Biden and and all of these these. So they're saying uh, the Trump states are saying. Well, that's the thing, right? They're, they're, they're saying that these are the most secure elections in history, the most secure elections, except we're going to now say that Russia uh, basically subverted our U.S. elections, even though they're the most secure. And uh, that's going to be the basis of these sanctions. In and then seven also, years, I'm getting the hell out of this country. I swear to God and all that's looking, in me. I can't we'll see what live the world here. looks like in seven years. But, I can't live here. Uh, you're, yeah, I, I think cannot that, that do thought it. is being shared by a lot of people right now. And these Russian bounties, right, which has been proven to be a complete hoax, a gossipy yep. hoax uh, that never actually happened, that, that the Russians are, somehow paid the Taliban for bounties on U.S., <laughs> the scalps of U.S. Uh, soldiers never happened. The Taliban um, are like, we'll do it for free. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's a complete fraud. So, you know, now you have Zelensky, and it seemed for a bit that he came in on a peace ticket to try to get some some collaboration or di diplomatic bridges with Russia at first. And, you know, some of these higher level Nazis did seem to be removed from positions of influence. So there might have been something good there at the beginning when Zelensky was brought in. But that's changed. And one thing I just want to sort of like end on a little bit is that it, here I can just stop this share. We don't need this anymore. Um, here, can I stop this? OK, what is that? <clears throat> There was a there's a really interesting analyst uh, by the name of what's his name um, 
Sergei Kurginyan, who uh, wrote an interesting article not that long ago and gave an interview where he makes the point, and I, I just wrote down this one little aspect of the, the this presentation he gives, where he says British intelligence has become a dominant force in Ukraine. If continental Europe is a bit scared of potential accidents, these ones that, and he's referring to the British, don't give a damn and they continuously push for exacerbation. So obviously, you know, like the uh, Austrian uh, uh, chancellor said, you know, we, we hope to uh, be the host for this this Biden, uh, this Biden Putin summit, we, we we're gonna, well, please, we'd be honored. And, you know, they're still like holding on out onto this delusion that this meeting is somehow going to happen, but they're desperate because they, they know they that have, they're, they they're have. the ones who are going to be in the crossfires of the nuclear war. They're the disposable parts of yeah. the system. Um, and sorry, the, yeah, go and, on. I just and and, you and the hubris, the hubris of this whole entire thing is, is, is because these fools, yeah, and the think tanks. I wouldn't even call them think tanks. Look at this uh, meme that I just put up. It's hilarious. <laughs> Did you see this, Matt? <laughs> I, I can't see it right now. for some reason. Oh, there we are. Okay, <laughs> Russian spy, American spy. There's, there's the difference right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that speaks a lot. No, it's it, it, it really does. Like, it, they really don't know. It, it's it's like uh, was it get smart Maxwell smart uh, yeah. level espionage going on by the West here. It's, it's, it really, and, you know the problem is it's like you have um, you have a country which yeah. is called the United States, and rather than having a rational worldview of what happened in World War II, Hollywood, the banking elite, corporate America, the military industrial complex all got together and hyped up that war. And made mm-hmm. the wars of World War II and Americans' involvement in World War II as the quote unquote the difference maker, right? And based upon that hype and hoopla, it is the main reason for the entire global outlook, the foreign policy, the schizophrenic foreign policy that we have, all of it, mm-hmm. because you have these think tanks, which is nothing but a giant circle jerk session of mm-hmm. individuals who think that we cannot be touched. Individuals who think that our economy is the biggest in the world, individuals who think our military is the most powerful in the world, and none of that is true. Mm-hmm. This country has never faced a battle of total and complete annihilation. Yeah, they right. don't know. They never faced a continental war of yeah. complete annihilation the way other countries have had, like Russia, case in point. Yeah, They never faced a technological peer and had every single facet and aspect of their military uh, command and control system under simultaneous total 24 seven round the clock assault. They never had any of that. No, they didn't get the lesson Matt, when five years ago, or I'm sorry, from seven year, years ago, when an Akula class submarine, all of a sudden submerged an Akula class two submarine all of a sudden submerged right off the coast of florida saying hey mm-hmm. what's up they didn't get the message that was a message back then to the obama administration hey look if we want to touch you we could reach out and touch you they didn't get that yeah they didn't get they can figure out how uh, the, the most advanced submarine on the planet the russians make the best subs in the world how it somehow went through all our sonar nets Somehow, how was able to inv- evade all our anti-submarine warfare aircraft and ships? Mm-hmm. How was it able to do that? And then pop up 40-some-odd miles off the coast of Florida, right next to a U.S. Navy ship saying, hey, what's up? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the U.S. Navy ship, which was part of an aircraft carrier battle group, had no idea the sub was even there. Yeah. They had no clue. Heads rolled that day, Matt. Heads roll oh, yeah. that day. Russia is, is changing the rules of the game by, by actually driving their strategy around creativity and getting outside of the closed system, um, which the West is, is committed to controlling. Um, the West is, is still using the same practices and technologies that they were using a decade ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Nothing is qu- There are advances on a linear level, but there are no quantum leaps like we see coming out of the Russian, Chinese scientific and military establishments that are just completely breaking out of the rules of the game. They're doing what you're not supposed to do. <laughs> you know, and, and you can see these dungeon masters in the West, the, the, which is really how they, how they are. They're these game masters getting enraged because you're not playing by the rules. You know, it's like we create the scenarios. You're supposed to follow and play into our scenarios. You're not adapting and they're getting enraged. And it's like Rumpelstiltskin, you know, 
when you guess the name of Rumpelstiltskin, he all of a sudden does what? He cannibalizes himself, right? Yeah, in rage. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of like that. Russia and China have guessed the name. They've called it out. They've repeatedly called out the name. And uh, and they're, the empire is not doing well. And that's why I love this analyst who uh, just basically called out the British intelligence thing because a lot of people don't pay proper attention to the role of who's really controlling this U.S. thing. Because who ran the U.S. coup d'etat, the color revolution that overturned the 2020 elections? Uh, who ran the voting machine operations? Who ran all of these things? You might have to censor this out if you don't want your video to be censored on uh, on YouTube again. I don't know. But but who did that? This was George Soros, Mark Malik Brown. This was this was British intelligence. And today, you know, if you if you look at who is running Zelensky, who's promoting this program of war with Russia under under uh, the military industrial complex? Well. Again, Zelensky just met. There was a big scandal that was released because Zelensky met with the head of MI6, uh, Richard Moore. Again, complete infantile personality type. Like the guy's uh, talented. He speaks many languages. He was like the former ambassador to, to Turkey, speaks Turkish. Really, you know, somehow he's managed to seduce Erdogan, but Erdogan's not the brightest uh, bulb anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, and he met, he had Zelensky come to his house, right? He didn't have, he didn't go meet with, with Zelensky. He had Zelensky, the president of a sovereign nation, apparently, go to uh, London and meet with him in his office, which is completely a break of all diplomatic protocols uh, for two hours in, in October 2020, where this this when this came out in the media, Zelensky's networks were all saying, oh, this is Russian propaganda. And, and you know, all of these these Western funded uh, media operations were all saying, uh, no, this is Western propaganda. This is a lie. And then Zelensky had to admit, well, no, actually it did happen. I can't say what we talked about. It was like national security for Ukraine, uh, but it was really useful. And he really wants to help us. <laughs> you actually believe that. <laughs> and uh, what was discussed, it was like um, uh, re returning, you know, programs to return Crimea to Ukraine. It was programs to uh, allow for forward basing of, of uh, British military bases and, and military troops in Ukraine, which is currently banned by the constitution of Ukraine. So implicitly what that meant was a discussion to change the constitution of Ukraine. Um, there was, uh, you know, I, I think that the discussion around uh, sending US, uh, sorry, uh, British warships that are currently underway, these aircraft carriers with anti-air uh, defense uh, and, you know, you, you've got anti-submarine, anti-air defense uh, 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 weaponry on these these ships. They're being now sent through the Bosphorus into uh, into the Black Sea because the U.S. has like lost its nerve a little bit. They 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 had first announced the U.S. that they were going to do it, and then the U.S. was like, well, maybe we we don't want to, you know, uh, risk a, a necessary inflammation that could bring World War Three in. So Britain said, oh, we'll just do it instead. Don't worry about it. We'll we'll set the tone, and show you how it's supposed to be done before these ships get sent to China to provoke China in the, in the Pacific. Um, also the question of the, uh, what's called the, um, uh, the, there was a treaty um, in, in 1994 uh, to uh, the Budapest memorandum, right? That's being renegotiated because uh, that bans Ukraine from hosting nuclear weapons and Russia co-signed with Ukraine under the idea that they would have protection um, in the new Soviet, you know, post-Soviet space and they would not have nuclear weapons that they would ever host. So the Budapest Memorandum has been very important at also keeping Ukraine out of NATO. Um, but if that is then thrown in the garbage, and we know that many of the leading figures, including the Ukrainian ambassador to uh, to Germany, who called for Ukraine, uh, who, who basically shamed Germany, saying that, look, Germany brought us Nazism in World War II. Thus, it is your responsibility to bring Ukraine into NATO. No ifs, ands, or buts. He's the same guy who said that Ukraine should also have nuclear weapons again. So <clears throat> we lost CJ. Is, is CJ still there? Uh, I don't know, but we're oh, still live. Matter. Okay. I, I think he passed out again. <laughs> <laughs> that was fast. That was quick. Uh, <laughs> that was yeah. quick. And it's, and it's always like, you know, five minutes before close or 20, 10 minutes before close. He just, he zonks out, man. It's, it's that yeah, blink lost. that never ends. Yeah. The blink that never ends. <laughs> Oh, uh, but it's definitely British intelligence, right? And 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 you got this with Integrity Initiative, with Bellingcat, with all of these revelations oh, from Mint Press News that have covered up a bunch of idiots. I, yeah, and and how like six of their staffers were all uh, products of British intelligence from King's yep. College. Um, that are also Integrity Initiative, which runs all of these clusters that are funded by the NED and Open Society Institutes that are part of British intelligence. Um, all have been deployed and are being coordinated both within the USA, across Europe, 
uh, to get a to get a, a sufficient uh, consensus in place and scare the shit out of people who are not thinking properly that such that they can get uh, a breakdown of any possible uh, cooperation with Russia and with China, which is really in our interest. Like this is the only chance we have of a future is to work with Russia and China and the multipolar alliance on major economic development projects the, together. The Without uneducated, the uneducated, unaware mm -hmm. American public has no clue what's happening. They have. Oh, he just sees you're back. I'm back. How was your nap, man? Little power nap. No, no. I thought you zonked out again. Nature was calling. <laughs> Nature was calling. <laughs> but what I'm saying is the the uh, unaware, uneducated American public. And I'm talking about uneducated in the sense of understanding how the world really works. Yeah. They have no clue about it. No. Like right now, we're doing the show, and the bloody CIA. Did you hear about this, Matt? The CIA no. and the MI6. Okay, are working hand in glove with media agencies in Germany to put a bunch of greens in power to fill the void for Merkel and the cabinetry over there to, in order to kill Nord Stream 2. I don't know about this. I didn't know about that. Oh, yeah, this is the latest. This, this is uh, mm. just, a, just a few minutes old, this news, hot off the press. Mm. So this is what's happening globally, and the American public has no idea because he still believes – Proud to be an American, so living in the land of free. Okay. He's too busy realizing that the country that he grew up believing in is gone. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, after January 20th, I took a, a, a few weeks in mourning. I took, <laughs> I went into the closet. I had my plan B relocation manual and all my. You know, how the hell to get out of the country. This is stuff that I stuffed and I put away back in 2016 when Trump won. I was like, this is great. We're going to, you know, come to the finally come to the table. Yeah, the there's some hope world. We're going to have yeah. a physical economy. We're going to start bringing back industry in this country. This is going to be great. And <laughs> that went down like <laughs> that was the air leaving the building. And now I'm dusting all that off. And I'm just saying to myself, the average American has no clue. They're not educated. They're, they don't know. They're not aware of any of this stuff. So they're not going to choose what's best for them. They think that if they go along and get along, everything's going to be okay. They know something is wrong, but they just think that if I just keep my head down, maybe somebody else will handle it for them. Yeah, folks. Either we handle this as a people, or it's going to get handled for us. Yeah. Well, I think the, the the most dangerous thing is that the 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 segment of the U.S. population which has a little bit more access to their mor morality still intact, and who you know would be the most capable of, of organizing a process that would make uh, the U.S. return to some semblance of a viable nation state again, yeah, um, are also the population which has become the most susceptible to anti-Chinese diatribe. Of They're course. kind of inoculated to the anti-Russian diatribe. That's for the the, the, the left-wing liberals. Matt, this is what uh, I said. Yeah, the right is obsessed with China and the left is obsessed with Russia. Nothing gets done. The, mm -hmm. the, the powers that be have done a masterful job, part of my French, in fucking us in the United States. Nothing can get done. The left yeah. is obsessed with Russia. The right is obsessed with China. Yeah. Nothing gets done. Gridlock any which way you go. You go to somebody who's a Republican, hey man, I think we should uh, work with the Chinese on the belt. And we're, you call me sympathizer! You go to somebody on the left, hey, look, I think we should work with the Russians. Oh, my God. She's going to work with the Russians. Yeah. How does anything get done? Yeah, right. It's crazy, man. No, absolutely. And, and it's, it's a complete uh, – it's a failure to know your history and to know basic elementary dynamics of your recent past. You know, like a lot of people, they think of China today and they just think malcultural revolution. That's all they could see. And even the people who like it on the left, a lot of, you know, a lot of leftists – like China, but they like it for all the wrong reasons. They like it because they're like, oh yeah, they can get things done. They can they can make green grids happen. And uh, I like, I kind of like their surveillance state stuff. That's good. Um, you know, that's what Klaus Schwab likes or Bill, Bill Gates enjoys that about China, but they hate the fact that China has abolished the depopulation agenda and orientation that the gang of four had imposed back in the, the late sixties. Right. Um, they hate that part. They hate the fact that China is defending sovereign nation states and forcing their economic system to behave according to the needs of humankind and and providing the means of development of industrial development for poor countries 
that were supposed to remain poor and cheap so we could exploit their resources, according to the IMF and World Bank way of doing things. So China is breaking all the rules. And the fact that they've also integrated with Russia's foreign policy outlook closely, their best friends, that is also uh, despised by these these geopoliticians in the West. Um, so and also like a lot of people who are afraid of Russia, they still just think of uh, the worst idea of Stalinist purges, which I mean, when you actually get down to it, uh, anyway, that's another thing. But but they, they still think that Putin is just that is just Soviet Stalinism. And, and that's all Putin is. And they don't realize that, no, Putin is is def- redefining the, over the past 20 years, the Russian identity around the the victors of the great patriotic war against fascism. Yep. And number two, a revival of the best el- elements of Alexander II, the the guy who freed this the the serfs and who initiated attempts at the major major economic reforms using American system methods of state directed long term credit vectored around infrastructure and industrial activity, um, and war avoidance. So that that's really what's being brought back as a national identity. It's not the 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 old cold people are still thinking that they are living in the Cold War. Um, so, and, and that's, again, they're missing the British element in all of this. Who created the Cold War? Who, who created that geometry? Who is it who orchestrated uh, the takeover of U.S. foreign policy after the death of FDR? Exactly. Who initiated JFK's murder? The Brits. What, what uh, did Harry Truman say as soon as he took power? I can't, I can't send anybody out without running into somebody that works for the intel- British intelligence. Oh, yeah. I can't yeah. get I, I, it. It seems like the entire State Department is infested by them. Harry Truman's own words, folks. That's Harry like, yeah. Truman's own words. And they don't need to control us militarily. All they need to do is get into the uh, the, the, the levers, the, 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 the think tanks. Yeah. The foreign the policymakers, all these idiots who, who believe this hoopla, this garbage. Yeah. And we're, we're paying for it. Your yep. kids are going to be paying for it. Here's the deal. Either we get our Either we fix this or the president of the free world, Vladimir Putin, is going to fix this for us. And he saved the world. He saved your lives several times. If you're listening to this as a viewer, your life yep. exists right now because of Putin's interventions probably more times than you can count on both hands. Exactly. Uh, you just don't know it. You just don't know it. You just don't know it. Every day you should wake up and thank God that President Vladimir Putin doesn't wake up and hit the F the America button. Well, that's why I, I hope that he doesn't take Zelensky up on his new offer from today. Zelensky is like, yeah, let's meet in, Dona- in uh, Donbass. Yes, let's meet. Yeah, let's meet. Let's meet in Donbass in clear view of my uh, of my. <laughs> Zelensky really is a comedian. He really is a clown. He's a joke. He's a joke. Yeah, he doesn't tell jokes. He just is one. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean exactly, and and I mean he's not realizing that he is himself completely disposable. I mean, com- you know, one thousand percent. The, the U.S. deep state does not care one lick if every single Ukrainian dies in a radioactive holocaust. They kind of want that. They want know? that. Yeah. They don't care if, uh, if they, hey, they didn't care if 500,000 Iraqi children died. Madeline Halfbright said it was okay. It's worth mm-hmm. the cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she it, went on it, record it, saying that, eh? Yeah. Cold. Absolutely. Yeah. They don't care. And this is what it comes down to. And, and it, I'll tell you right now, man, it's, it's either... This country gets it right. We wake up or your kids and grandkids will be glowing in the dark for the next 10,000 years. It's your choice. Yeah. I'll, yep. I'll be sitting on a beach in Sochi. Working the airwaves right next to me. <laughs> Word. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well said. And uh, what else, brother? Go ahead. Or are we... Well, I, I mean, I, I think that, that that's those are some ominous up. words to, to, I think, end on. And I, I think that that's that's appropriate because we're living in ominous, ominous times and people do need to to get a take a sip of reality right now, which doesn't necessarily take taste super sweet. But you got to you got to do it. You got to let your mind go there and and conceive the inconceivable, because that's what the Stratcom. I mean, the, the, the head of Stratcom just put out a tweet basically saying that we have to be prepared uh, for nuclear war to conceive the inconceivable. Uh, or, or to prepare for the the uh, le- the great the yeah the worst of all possible options. But that's okay. Um, we and- we have alien technology, man. You you, you yeah. want to know something? Oh. We in fact of all the all, all the hoopla and bullshit that we've been inoculated with, 
uh, inculcated with in the last several decades, Matthew. The other thing that is one of the side effects of such propaganda and bullshit and hyperbole and, and bravada is that you become a nation that tends to believe in fallacy and fantasy, right? Kind of like the fantasy of QAnon will save us and all the patriots and white hats along with Trump is going to save us. That's a fallacy. That's a fantasy, right? Also the fantasy that, you know, we have alien weapons from Area 51. And look, the U.S. Navy's put out um, uh, videos of alien UFOs and ships flying around and this, that, and the other. These are probably 100% doctored fake videos, okay? I want you to think about this. So you're telling me, and the reason why I bring up this whole alien thing is pretty interesting because I was actually thinking about this for the last couple of days, Matt. I was thinking about this. What is the social idea, right? What is mm-hmm. the programming here? The programming here is that we as Americans, we think we're so damn important that aliens from another galaxy will travel tens of thousands of light years with their advanced propulsion systems and their advanced ships. And they're going to make sure that they crash land on Earth. And if they're going to crash land on Earth, they make sure that it will be in the lower 48 states of the United States of America. They don't crash land anywhere else, Matt. Just in the U.S. Well, <laughs> yeah. Thinking, uh, and that's the fallacy. Did, did this I ever, is all craziness. Go ahead. Did I, did I ever share with you my article on UFOs and 75 years of MKUltra PSYOPs? No. I'll send it to you. Maybe we can make that a show. Um, yes, we should. Because now, because the military-industrial complex is like, oh, look, look, pyramid-shaped UFOs. Oh, yeah, TR-3Bs. It's all bullshit. It's all well, CGI. Yeah, the, 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 really the, the, bad CGI, actually. Yeah, I mean, you need better evidence than what they're showing on these low-quality uh, things or anecdotal evidence of people who have, you know, uh, seen things. And, uh, like, an anecdote I've is an anecdote. I've seen better Sasquatch of course, videos. Of course, I, you know, you could say that the, the the entire Cold War was run under the veneer of massive secrecy in the military uh, military tech. And so, yeah, when people would see something flying as a in the sky that looks like a star, but that's moving in an asymmetrical way. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably seeing what they're seeing, but who's this? Why are you assuming that this is like an alien from uh, Alpha Centauri? Uh, why are you not even just looking at the type of, of uh, tech that is being developed um, in the U S military itself? That, you know, like why is it, why is that the case that they just can't talk about? Cause it's again, massive secrecy, cold war. And again, like, why is it that the people who ran things like the, the British UFO flying saucer working group in 1945, the world's first flying saucer working group, why are these the same people like Oman Salant, who are the, 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 the founders of MK ultra, yeah. the, the program to massively <clears throat> psychologically mind fuck the population and ego strip them. Um, that was put into play by 1940 or 52, but these are the same people having the meetings, the same people running are, are do not see a connection. Do you think it's exactly. a coincidence? And, and, and here's the funny thing. So you're telling me that we have all this advanced alien technology from Alpha Centauri and the Greys who have imbued us with this amazing technology and the and 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 and, and we make the F-35. <laughs> <laughs> We make aircraft carriers that cannot launch aircraft. We 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 make battleships that whose guns and missile systems malfunction. <laughs> we have third world infrastructure with rusting, bri- but it's we because you're. It's a break. Oh, you don't get it. It's a breakaway civilization. It's a breakaway. Oh, okay. It's all sure. part of the game. Like yeah, you're you're so binary and thinking about right and wrong and left and right. No, no, exactly. binary thinking, man. They're they're way above you playing the strings. They, China and Russia are in on it too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. everybody's it's part of the game. Don't fall for the game. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all in it together in the yeah. same Illuminati Rothschild lizard yes, people operation from above. Mm-hmm. Um, no, exopolitics and all this stuff. It, it's really I mean, it's a joke. It, it's kind of like, yeah, you could see these creative writers working with intelligence agencies kind of like laughing, thinking like, you know, what else can we get them to believe in? How what far else? You know, let's feed them some some reality. Then some you have truth. the evangelicals and here we'll, who, who believe in a a, um, a Vatican UFO connection, and then Israel, and you know they got to blow up the world in order to bring Jesus back. And <laughs> well, it, it's use, it's utilizing the ancient technique of cult cult creation, right? Exactly. So I mean, that, that's the way the Roman Empire was able to control uh, its society was by creating synthetic cults, and you can you know there's there's hundreds or thousands of deities. And you could, you know, build a little cult with a, its own internally consistent mythologies for each deity with its own rituals. And everybody was free to worship at whatever altar they wanted to and have their own like little orgy of, you know, representing whatever kind of 
thing they wanted to. And they, they each had little localized mystery religions with a hierarchical control, but they were all controlled by the same intelligence agents that were, you know, running the, the, the Delphic mystery religions and my, mystery schools. Yeah. So it, it's all part of the same thing. And these, the, these same families today, these same bloodlines, um, that, you know, the house of Windsor represents as just like one powerful family amongst many families, they can trace their lineage back going to the days of the Roman oligarchy that ran the Senate right. and the days of Babylon <laughs> and the families that ran that. Yeah. So it's absolutely not, Dude, you know, uh, next show. We should, we should crack not only the UFO thing, but this whole entire new world order BS nonsense and oh, everybody's in on it together and the Rothschilds and all that other nonsense that I'd goes like along to, with yeah. it. We should, we should sure. crack that. And Abhishek is right in the chat. He's right. If, if UFOs actually landed on earth, the Chinese would have already re reverse engineered it. <laughs> <laughs> that's good oh my god you know it's funny i was actually having a conversation with a, with a, with a buddy of mine he's like man you know they want they want to turn the united states into china light and i looked at him and said dude if america were ever to change it into china light americans would be shocked at how quickly things get fixed <laughs> how quickly things would be fixed infrastructure healthcare. I mean, lifting people out of poverty. The list goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, they they want they want to build like skyscrapers and highways in like two weeks. They want to they want us to do these things. It's like it's supposed to take us ten years to build a friggin' highway. I, I'm still trying to crack the code on the Colonel's eleven herbs and spices. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. All no, right, we folks. Should. Look, we're we're at the end of the show. This is the Jewish Strategic Hour. We got Matthew Eric. Go check out his website, thecanadianpatriot.com. And check out the Rising Tide Foundation, uh, really amazing work that Matthew and his wife, uh, Cynthia Chung, does. Also, check out Matthew's Substack, okay? Subscribe over there. We're big believers in Matt. Matt's going to be a big part of what we're doing here. We're going to do everything we can to promote him, his work, um, and make sure that he is uh, somebody who is just absolutely um, taken care of, without a doubt. I mean, he's one of the best brains uh, that I know out oh, here in the geopolitical Welcome, man. <laughs> so I, I have a bromance. I have a budding bromance. Me and Steve yeah, have a budding bromance with uh, with Matthew. Yeah, you told me I was the only love for you. I'm jealous now. Well, I'm sorry, man. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a quartet. It's a quartet. <laughs> a quartet bromance. Well, we're gonna throw uh, Vela's in here soon too, and then we'll call London Paul. Then we have like the, yeah, and then Harley, oh and then we have the, yeah. the ultimate uh, geostrategic geoeconomic breakdown. My God, that'll be insane. One of these days. But anyway, the world. folks, go check it out. Join, subscribe, get over there. Links are in the description box. Support Matt. You know, follow his work and everything. Oh, by the way, I was going to say too, if, if uh, any, anybody's interested, we're uh, hosting these science lectures and uh, history and economic lectures uh, every Sunday. So if people want to yeah, be involved yeah. to, to receive an invitation, the next one's going to be on the electric universe, the cosmology of the electric universe with uh, featuring Dr. Michael Claridge, uh, who's a lead scientist with the Sapphire Project. Um, wow. Very, very high-level, interesting fellow, um, and he'll give us a presentation uh, with an open Q&A. So uh, people want to be to receive an invite, uh, just send an email to info at risingtidefoundation.net. And similarly, we're doing uh, weekly readings as well of Max Planck's original works um, on the philosophy, philosophy of physics every, uh, every Wednesday, usually, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So again, if you want to... Uh, take control of your education, learn, learn and read some stuff. You were not given the right to read in school, which is you, you sh we should have had those opportunities. They weren't given to us for a reason. Um, jump on it again. I mean, send look the, at this uh, site, email. man. It's incredible. Look at it. Look, look, escaping the brave new world. Dante's, uh, uh, you know, comedia or how to escape uh, modern inferno symposium renaissance across the ages. I mean, there's just so much political optimism and opposition. I mean, the list goes on and on and on yeah, and on. It's fun. It's fun. Good brain food. Definitely. Right. Folks, check it out. And with that being said, CJ, take it away. We lost CJ again. He left. He's on. Oh, there he is. I'm back. That was weird. My browser closed. So uh, Very strange. Yeah. All right, CJ, so shut it down. And uh, I need to ask... Uh...